Suttas, whereby this, uh, the Buddha, having realized the awakening, was in two minds as to whether it was possible to convey this experience or in words, <laughs> and so whether it was really going to be worthwhile, whether he would ever get it. And uh, so he was kind of, well, you know, and then apparently in this particular way, this kind of presence, this great overseeing presence called the uh, the overseeing father of the universe, whatever you want to make of that, um, descends into the Buddha's awareness and says, please, this is what he says, he says, uh, um, there are beings here with little dust in their eyes, play, pray, teach the Dhamma for their welfare. So the Buddha got it. Uh, there's a very, there's a very kind of wide, spanning awareness of, of empathy. 
Empathy is the basis that the Buddha teaches from this word that was in the invocation and pray, teach the Dhamma out of out of empathy, out of a sense of fellowship with other beings who suffer and seek truth. <coughs> and so the Buddha picked up that particular resonance, that sense, and the rest of his life he spent following that. So, just seeing how fundamental this sense is that even a being as awake and as liberated as seemingly beyond as the Buddha his own awakening can still pick up this signal this deep signal of fellowship and uh, touch that touching the heart so there are that purity of heart, this resonance generating the intention to offer to give and he kept that going through his life to his last dying breath when he was still lying on his deathbed offering questions and answers session to anyone who had any questions <laughs> so you know that was um, just immensely touching, powerful. And we should never forget that spirit. Yeah. Because that shivers in all of us, whether we're awakened or half awakened or half asleep, there's still that shiver of empathy with other beings. And you know and widening that and letting that that trembling and shivering of empathy resonate to a wider and wider circle of beings is going to increase our, our clarity because it tends to take us out of obsessiveness, stuckness, selfishness, you know, occlusions into something far more beneficial for our own welfare, for the welfare of others, and conducive to the elimination of greed, hatred, delusion. I can't really find fault with any of that. <coughs> this is a very important signal to come back to. Empathy. Not not changing things, not even understanding things or making things better or having a big mission but just the first thing the arising is the sense of there is dukkha there is conflict there is struggle and just get get that and rather than react to it or oh, it shouldn't be this way it's somebody's fault or what should I do about it just, just stay with that and sense a kind of heart, heart opening to that, oh, may that, may that dissolve. You know, I don't know how, but perhaps even following that resonance deeply into our own hearts enables different potentials to arise.
potential is born out of compassion, born out of um, not getting, releasing oneself from one's habits and preferences and tangles. You know? This is really the, the kindling of the spark, kindling of the flame of awakening. So remember when we come here, being together is a big part of it. You know, here we're physically sitting together for a period of time, but obviously we're not 24 hours a day. But still, when you're not sitting here, there are beings in your mind, and beings around you, walking around, creatures, beings in your own heart, that definitely will benefit from that touch of empathy. We come together in the group, just bear in mind, you know, it's naturally we have our little places and our territories. Um, you know, we're not sitting in boxes. Uh, we're actually in a, in a field here. We cannot be in boxes. We cannot be cordoned off from each other. We can be respectful, spacious, gracious, allowing, slightly affected, moved, touched. Oop, slightly disappointed, but we cannot be boxed off. And actually, when there's empathy, it doesn't really matter if somebody's fidgeting or, you know, you just, you don't have to be so cut off. So part of it is just this sense of being together and almost letting that effect be felt, sensed. Beings here are suffering. Beings here have dust in their eyes. Beings here make mistakes. Beings here don't see things that you see. How could it be any other way? Beings who are here who make a determined effort to relinquish, to give up, to restrain, to moderate, to put forth effort. Uh, isn't it beautiful? Should we also rejoice? In each other's presence. So this is the foundation, and as we, all of us, are coming into a settling state, gathering, settling, it doesn't switch on. This is nature. We are coming into nature, and nature hasn't got any switches in it. It doesn't flash in and flash out, it grows, it settles, it finds root, it seeds, it slowly unfolds, it blossoms, mm. it shifts, it changes, but it's very, it's a kind of much more slow and organic and natural rhythm than the on-off switch of human contrivances. So it takes time. And in this, we have to adjust to natural time, not clock time, natural. Of course, we're running two systems here. We have clock time for the sake of synchronicity and logistics, and that's, you know. And then we have body time or natural time, which does all kinds of things. It doesn't 
regularly operates. Sometimes it rushes, and sometimes it slows down, and sometimes it it seems to go very still, and sometimes it seems to go very fast. It's not a it's not a regular clock rhythm. It's much more organic than that. You notice in winter time everything seems to stop. In spring everything goes crazy. It starts rushing. In, in the autumn, fall time it slows down. Yeah, it's natural time. And your body is a part of that. You know, wake up in the morning, oh, come on, get up, yeah. <laughs> Can I get that? <laughs> Getting it up, and then sometimes you can't get it to slow down. <laughs> it just kind of comes in these waves, and then sometimes it just falters and futters out for a while, and you come back again. Now, this is natural time, but in this field process of being with nature, being with each other, and having a the steady and calming effects, there's a sense in which that becomes much more um, steady or regular or slowly or mod- moderated. We feel energy is beginning to revitalize and recharge according to something more natural. And natural is beautiful because one aspect of it is that it's involuntary. It's given, it's a given thing, so something else can just take a rest from being ourselves, being competent, being clear, being on top of things, making things work, being who I am, and just and let nature come back. So why this retreat, <coughs> rewilding the mind, returning to nature, Nature is the involuntary, the givens, and certainly part of what's given to us is our ability to 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 make voluntary decisions. You know? So you have a fundamental nature which from which a secondary human nature can arise, which is the ability to choose, to discern, to operate, to function, to, to you know, make things happen. And if that's carefully moderated, there's a third aspect that can arise, a nature of awakening. Which is also, also involuntary again. It goes from one involuntary to the next involuntary through a voluntary process of decision-making and refined macro and micro level. This is because of the nature of chitta. <coughs> chitta. Now I've used the Pali word chitta first of all, because uh, that's that's the word the Buddha used. And chitta is that which can be liberated. And chitta can be that which is confused, crazy, beautiful, serene, loving, patient. Ingenious, calculating, devious, wise. Do you know what that is? <laughs> you know what that is? 
Is it mind? Is it heart? Is it awareness? All it covers all of that. Is it spirit? It covers that. It's all of that. So there isn't really exactly an English word that can cover it. Sometimes we might say the most primary quality is awareness, <coughs> which is this involuntary. You know, we that's what the fact that there is experience means there's something ability to receive experience, to be part of experience, to feel a sense of assent or knowledge or knowing of it. You know, we're not, we're not dead. That's so primary that we don't really even make anything of it. Then there are what we might call heart qualities, which can which are often do with intentions, aspirations, inspirations, uh, deep deep rooted uh, inclinations towards peace, towards harmony, towards pleasure, towards uh, safety. Some of them quite confused, but they might say deep structures. There are things we almost have very we seem to have very little say over this. So deeply embedded. Our wish for happiness, our wish for pleasure, our wish for comfort, our wish for understanding, and our wish for freedom. And those are deep structures and some of them, and most of that has some quality of unknowing about it. We're not quite certain where that could be, or how that could happen. Even if this is exactly the right message, not quite certain. This is called a vija. Jitta is affected by a vija which literally means not really getting it, not knowing it, not quite getting it right. From not quite getting it right to getting it absolutely wrong. <laughs> it covers a whole range of things. But a Ouija is not the essential, it's not the basis. It's a conditioned phenomenon. Uh, and then we might say these are heart qualities, and they're not, they're not just the emotions, they're kind of reflex urges, impulses, intentions, inclinations. And you might say that Chitra is also mind, which is much more the deliberate. Um, oh yeah, I think I want one of those. I don't like the look of that, you know. What would happen if I did this? Perhaps I need to do that. It's more the calculating uh, co- cognitive aspects of it. So that's all part of it. And then you might say a, a very primary level, awareness, a secondary level to do with inclination, you know, both skillful, unskillful, uncertain, and then a third level which is taught more deliberate intentionality. And because of this quality of chitta being like that, uh, and it's mobile, it's, it's not even a thing, it's really like a quality of mind consciousness, quality so it's extremely fluid that is no actual substance no known boundary no fixed boundaries no substantiality it's like a quality like beauty you know and it can land on various things and occupy that yeah. and various phenomena can occupy it yeah. one of the big phenomena that occupy it is the sense me and it can occupy other things, you know, find beauty in this or in that, if 
find inspiration in this or in that, find fear in this or in that, uh, find warmth in this or in that, can find hatred in this or in that. So it's this quality that projects its qualitative its qualities onto phenomena and even in some ways fills in phenomena, gives them their their apparent nature. Says so this is a beautiful thing. Does it is it? Or is it just that I find it that way? So this you know, Chitta does this, it, it paints everything. It infuses everything. And we can use some of that. And some of that needs to be cleared. So this quality, it's called a, uh, a quality of mind in, within mind consciousness. Because of this and its ability to turn, so to be deliberately through the mind aspect turned, inclined, questioned, inquired, looks into itself, looks into its, its patterns, its experiences, and with this secondary heart quality of how do I find happiness? How do I find freedom? I don't know, you know, that primary heart quality or secondary heart quality it finally, through these two, it can begin to turn back into something very released. We might say awareness is released from <coughs> confusion. So this is all, this is the nature of mind, of chitta. It is uh, one of the big things that it adopts um, for purposes of logistics and security and so forth is a sense, oh this is me, I am this, uh, which has its benefits and its drawbacks, because the I am sense tends to try to make something solid and have boundaries that doesn't have boundaries and isn't solid, so therefore it's always threatened, it's besieged sense. Because it tries to make solid something that nature is not solid. It's constantly flowing and changing. It tries to create boundaries, territories, walls, around something that can't have that. So it's constantly acting to to make something happen that can never really succeed. That constant erosion of of solidity and and, uh, boundaries gives rise to this existential quality of mild anxiety, insecurity, feverish activity, um, and all kinds of stuff, dogmatic beliefs, rigid opinions, compulsive ownership, hoarding, you know, over-controlling, dominating, gives rise to all these things, trying to make something solid that can't be that way. And what is this that can't be that way? can't be solid, chitta. What can't have boundaries, chitta. Mm-hmm. Which is where we are. Which is the constant of our lives. It's the, the constant of our lives. is chitta. It's a constant quality. And it's constantly 
seeking, and it's constantly finding, and it's constantly shifting and changing. That's its constancy. <laughs> yeah. But you can't actually make it solid. But you can release it from that activity, frustrating activity, releasing it into its primary, given, involuntary, constant quality, which is liberated, aware, awareness liberated from Avijja, unknowing, uncertainty. Ways and means of encouraging that process. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, say our, our constant guide or references to by in Satya. Satya, another Pali word which I'll begin with first because. These words do slip around when you translate them to English. Yeah, Such art can mean a number of things. It can mean truth. But truth we tend to hold as an idea. Yeah. It's not an idea. You can have ideas that come from truth. This also means reality, that which actually happens, rather than that which is inferred or imagined or believed in. Therefore it's direct. It's actually the reality of what's happening. It's also even more fundamentally just means presence. That which is, so it's that which is present, really happening, and and uh, not subject to manipulation. We take our basis on that. And um, what's that? Well, okay, you know, recognizing the mind, the chitta is subject to confusions and biases and distortions and what most fundamental is presence. You know, taking such as presence. Wherever I am, whoever I am, wherever I am, here I am. Here it is. And uh, yeah, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> you know, whether you like it or don't like it, here here it is. Here I am, I'm in this now. I'm with this now. This is the experience now. Mm. Even the sense of not liking it is like this now. Mm. So it's not we have to think it's so wonderful, but just say yes, it's like this. Mm. So that yes, it's like this. It gives us something to work with. And certainly, you know, uh, the encouragement is to find presence that is a, has some sense of stability and peacefulness to it. And we can find this through filtering through this, this body experience, which is again extremely modelled. You know, body can mean a number of things. It can mean once you have a body you have definite sense of limitation. You have definite experience of pain and pleasure. 
comfort, discomfort, hunger, thirst. Um, when you have a body, you definitely become something that can be seen, a target, uh, desire to be accepted, uh, be look attractive, and so forth, feeling that you're not. <laughs> Once you got one of these things, you're a target. <laughs> and you never know what's going to come your way, whether it's going to be a, a cinema bun or a rock. <laughs> There you are, and you got the after a while you get a distinct feeling these things break down and die, and that's too pleasant, and you get and uh, health and sickness, and that's all part of it. And wow, do you really want to be with this? Well, it's a bit late now. (laughs) 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 So here you are. So within this. Actually, within this, strange enough, you filter through it. And there is also a fundamental, uh, absolutely necessary requisite for awakening, and that is the sense of presence. Mm. Presence of body, sense of, And it's not just the sensations, it's that which can receive sensations. It's not just the sensations of my muscles, or my intestines, or my head, or around my eyes, it's that which can receive those. So it's a little bit there, with that, but also it's with it, and behind it, with it, but not in it. So presence has this quality, it's, you know, both in bodily and mental terms, or chitta terms, is that which things land on. And the tendency is always to go to the things that are landing, the grogginess, the agitations, the pleasures, and not just to notice beneath that. Well, yeah, but that's, yes. And you know all that goes, it runs around, doesn't it? From happy to unhappy, and agreeable to disagreeable, that's what that does. But you know, within that, or beneath that, or around that, or with that, however you want to put it, there is a sense of presence, reality, truth. Yes, this happens. Yes, it's happening. And, you know, a big part of our practice is just to, to bear in mind those two qualities. You could say something which you might say is not conditioned by inclinations or by voluntary decisions, which is presence, and there's that which is conditioned, uh, which happens to us in bodily sense, and in the emotional sense, and so on. So filtering through, and here, so much of so much of our experience as Dharma practitioners is where we're sitting, walking, the fundamental forms of what we call meditation. There's also standing, reclining, the Buddha said moving, leaning, stretching, scratching, uh, you know, tending to bodily needs, being in the body with that, being present with that, being in the presence of that, with what happens with that. And he extended it very widely to all you know, all the bodies can experience, including sickness, death, looking at even the dead body of another, a sense of presence with that. 
an empathy with that a sense of presence so as we practice you know we can actually begin to deliberately through this power of jitta determine, decide through mind let's go into this yeah. and there can be that heartfelt inclination yes I want to get into this this is a possibility I, yeah, I get the idea of that this is a possibility, it's a heart inclination and there's a deliberate cognitive process, there's a heart inclination I want to try this and, how, and then there's awareness actually how is this where is this where is this presence and where can I most readily pick it up let's be make it as comfortable and as easy as possible well the city what's that sense of pressure beneath the body mm. sense of having uh, boundaries skin place where the pressure stops space around it mm-hmm. right. you know you feel the sense of something apparently solid or having an elemental earthy quality and then there's a, that goes so far and then you can also sense there's no pressure on that from outside the space around it space around this is free not owned not made it's free from obstructions, free from intrusions seemingly not important it's very important if you didn't have it you'd be in real trouble and really helpful just to acknowledge both the involuntary given of the ground beneath you in bodily sense and the involuntary given of the space around you these are things you never had to deserve be good at you know, they're givens and with the humility of our practice we have to first of all enter that which is given which is constantly given the most constant givens we may be given intelligence, given health for a while but they're temporary gifts this one, there's always the ground beneath and there's always the space around so as we settle, just touching into these bases how's that? asking the chitta to open to those how is that? <coughs> and without this involuntary gift without touching it, without absorbing it without dwelling in it, without taking refuge in it the chitta is always lost always scrambling round and it can only eventually scramble round its own creations and some of those are not very pleasant at all anxiety, restlessness, doubt, craving, uncertainties this is where we take refuge Satya, presence, truth, 
most fundamental reality of experience. This may not seem like much, or it may be nice for a few half a minute or so. <laughs> and then we think, well, what about this? What about that? What about this thought? What about this scenario? What about this life predicament? What about this mind state? Hmm? And the jitter easily jumps up. And in its residues, its unresolved we call it unresolved karma, or unresolved inheritances, unresolved residues, unresolved latent tendencies. They haven't really been fully unpicked, unraveled and resolved. <coughs> and because of this, yes, then we have to do something. Yeah. Just the given is immensely helpful, an immensely powerful place, an immensely restful place to return to a necessary place still from that we are human beings we have the power to act we must act we must act in bearing in mind still there's this gift we can return to and how do we act Now I'd like to bring to mind, without overloading in too much conceptual stuff, three particular um, features, in particular, also quite quite natural to us. And although I list them, they're really not one, two, three. They're kind of interdependent. We're dealing with something that's extremely fluid. It's flowing, it's shifting like a, a wave. You can't really say which part of the water is on top because it's all flowing together. But for sake of an argument, I'll start with <coughs> something that's um, perhaps comes at the top of our list because we can definitely do it. It's called intentionality or intention or the Pali word chitana. And again, I have to use these Pali words because you know, when you translate something into English, bits get missed, bits get lost, bits get added to what meant. And here intention has its drawbacks because it seems to be only about deliberate thought. But actually, intention is a hard quality. It's the impulse. It can be either a kind of blind reactivity or it can be something more clearly responsive. It's a movement of intention, a movement of impulse, a movement of response, a movement of aspiration, inspiration or desperation. Yeah, so it's good and it's not so good. And so but recognizing this is our active fire lighter. This is the thing, this is the matches, this is the lighter that gets things potentized, activates. This is what you have. You know, you've got something you can flash and spark until you get the right thing. Mm. And it's just kind of 
sparking that lighter again and again till it catches the pieces that can really start burning through or moving through the obstructions. And so what are chitanas? Well, chitanas, well, chitanas can be uh, moral, ethical. The intention, the inclination to avoid abusiveness. So the first intention is actually interesting enough in terms of the ethical basis is just to avoid that which is directly unskillful because we can sense, oh, oh, no. And we can sense something when the beautiful, the good, the loving, the compassionate, the respectful, the compassionate. All this is to do with intentionality. It can be an intention just to bear with something, to be patient. That's an intention. To step back, to restrain oneself, to hold back. That could be an intention. Intention to move forward, take a risk. That could be an intention. To seek harmony. That's an intention. Everything that directs subtly, uh, strongly towards gentleness, towards vigor, all that is intention. We have that quality. And in meditation or in cultivating chitta, which is a much more useful overall term, we're learning to get those intentions flexible, fluid and known. Which is the right one in response to this? Yeah. with what was coming up into presence with tiredness or fatigue or restlessness or just not feeling settled what's the right intention <coughs> well maybe you know be patient be kind be simple take your time steady down you know get still safe get to feel present it doesn't happen overnight take your time perhaps that could be the intention could be just just put that aside, just switch that off for a while. Yeah? That's an intention, renunciation. And so you're kind of handling these, and there's an enormous amount of there that you know that are present for you in your heart. So really, some of these words may may oh yeah, of course I can do that. May may spark something that perhaps we've neglected or not put on our list of intentions. But here, when we began the retreat, ethical intention, renouncing intention, intention towards kindness and goodwill, this gives you a reasonable, you know, and of course the intention to cultivate. Gives you a reasonable presentation. And how that plays out in physical action is another thing. Well, that's secondary. Supportive. That's the support jitta. Secondary. Um, another fundamental property that we have, quality we have, um, which we may have not really clarified or made clear to ourselves is called Pali word is Viveka Viveka means the ability to 
to step back, to withdraw, to disengage. It means we can experience something, and, oh no, just let that pass. Yeah. We operate this all the time, you know, in a way our lives as human beings is a flood of consciousness, sights, sounds, options, and in the human world, almost an overload, a deluge of possibilities. Buy this, go here, seek this, remember that, think this, read this, buy this, drink this, eat this, listen to this, taste this, mm-hmm. hurry up, be cheerful, be happy, relax. Overload. So we make her, it stops us going mad. (laughs) Just about. (laughs) For a cultivated person, we make her keep you very, very sane. Because it says, "Uh, I think I'll just step back from that one, let that one pass, and not engage with that. Yeah, that, you know, pause on that, or open up around that, and not get reactive around that, not get activated by things. It's a, it's a deactivator. And that's kind of interesting, because I think very often the, you know, the human propensity is towards intentionality. <coughs> you know, action, do it, make it happen, get going, work hard, be this, be that, be that, do something. If you're not feeling good, do something about it. Yeah. If you're not, you know, if your mind's giving you trouble, do something about it. Your body, do something about it. So then, can do something about it, do something about it, do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you finally realise that the most important thing to do something about is that do something about it button. <laughs> just, just switch off. You know? Well, could it be that there's another dimension that could open up from the voluntary deciding, determining, which gets so active that you burn out. Seeking happiness and relaxation, you burn out. <laughs> What's the logic in that? Is there another dimension of the domain that I can know? Yes, there is. And this is really, you know, you could say the entry into deepening into this ability, Viveka, which means we can be with something rather than be in it. Rather than, you know, get on the the, the run, run, rolling ball of our thoughts and impressions and urges and difficulties, we can actually not repress it or ignore it, but just step back. Uh-huh. And from that domain, the domain of, well, disengagement, you could say, uh, withdrawal, non-involvement, another response might occur. So this gives us a chance to, if you like, think outside the box, look afresh, question our intentions, how valid are they, of all the, of all the responses and reactions that could come up, rather than jump to the quick, the first one, the most compulsive one, the most habitual one, one comes easy. Perhaps it's another one that could come if you just waited. Step back and widen and soften a little. Soften, widen, soften, widen. It's gentler. 
really need to do was to breathe out uh, and all of that evolves all that brings around not another get it, do it, have it, make it fix it, sort it but or why am I this way, why don't why are people that way that's all we really needed to do was just to step back and oh, it's difficult isn't it oh, you know so then this primary quality of empathy can start to resonate which is so much healing potential in it so Viveka and this is the one, the unplugger and uh, this is developed, it's amazing how much stuff can be unplugged uh, you know, stuff we didn't even think was unpluggable <laughs> yeah, you know. and it goes very very far it develops into something called Niroda, ceasing and Vosaka, complete relinquishment which is release you can unplug even from the compulsion to be, to have um, to, to something's released so that, there's a trajectory of, of cultivation just as a trajectory of cultivation of intention there's a trajectory of development of cultivation of um, disengagement or non-attachment, however you want to put it, be vacant. Third quality, I'd like to bring to mind another thing we, we, we all have and make some use of, just like we take some use of our Viveka potential. We can step back for a moment and decide similarly, you know, and you just take that property further and further. Similarly, we have another property called discernment, banya, often translated as wisdom, but unfortunately wisdom can give you too much of a theoretical, cognitive sense. Uh, it's discernment, the ability to differentiate. This is this, this is that, this is from this. That's not this, that's that. You can dif- differentiate. Even, you know, animals have this. Banya, they have animal banya, which means that's edible, that's not edible. That smells good, doesn't smell good. So animals have banya, their own banya, discernment. You know, this is a good place to build a nest, this is not good. They have animal banya. And we have human banya, which is far more uh, dexterous at, at discerning and differentiating and it can get tangled up in itself also into just making the world so many differences and so many distinctions that we end up lost in, lost in distinctions and not recognising something more universal mm-hmm. you know we can distinguish the difference between one kind of mustard and another and make a big deal out of it yeah, it's true, that is different from that, but does it matter? <laughs> you know? One kind of flavour, another kind of flavour. Yeah, does it matter? One kind of temperature, another kind of temperature. Yeah, does it really matter? One kind of body from another kind of body. Yeah, 
Does it really matter? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, we can get so caught in these distinctions. And of course, it's one of the human tragedies, isn't it? Distinctions around race or class or caste or gender or height or size or shape, body shape, body size, strength, vitality, appearances. You know, you know. this is where it's discernment gone wrong. So that's why you know all these factors are involved because with discernment we start to discern what's really important. And really important is, is intention. Really important is viveka. So they so when you've got this is why first of all the first kind of wisdom is wisdom's actually cognitive. Although we have the discernment faculty, it needs to be potentized in a particular mode. This is what the Buddha Dharma is about. Saying, just think of this. You know, all bodies are the nature to sicken and die. Right? You may not like the sound of that, but it happens to be true. So what's the big deal about this, that, and the other? You know, <laughs> of them. Yeah, when it comes down to it. Why get tangled up in that? And the wisdom that's given to us is called uh, uh, one of the fundamental qualities is called the voice of another. And the voice, the primary voice of another, doesn't have to be spoken, it can be read, is the voice of the Buddha. Who's saying, well, it's up to you, but what about this? What about aging sickness and death? Uh-huh. How does that make things look? What about the result of hatred and greed? How does that look? Yeah. What about the results of kindness and generosity? How does that look? Figure it out for yourself. You know, so it's placing things. You know, we have these potentials. Which use your panya. I'm giving you the opportunity to potentize your discernment faculties in a way that will lead to your welfare, the welfare of others, and freedom. Yeah. Just listen. Does any of this sound true to you? Pick it up. So this is, we call this acquired wisdom. And we should never neglect that. You know, though wisdom is definitely a natural potential, it can also be, get lost in itself. Discernment can get lost in itself. Into kind of pointless, nitpicking proliferations. So wisdom there has to be married, bonded to intention. And intention, of course, is to make us wiser. And how does it do that? Through disengagement, through viveka, through no, just let go of that. Pause on that one. This is something you want to step back from, question, look at clearly, so that your discernment can then be turned in a skillful direction. Do you see how these three qualities interact, you know, intention, disengagement, discernment. You can't really say one is on top, but they all, in our rolling on of chitta, we're kind of sampling some of these and seeing how they begin to blend. 
What is the kind of intention that clarifies my discernment potentials? What is the kind of discernment that clarifies my intentions? So I'm saying, no, I've done that, I've decided that, I went that way, it led to there. No, that wasn't the correct intention, was it? What about disengage, step back, pause, soften, widen, let yourself be vague, don't have an immediate answer, open up, take your time, and you feel the shiver come through of empathy, the inclination towards truth and freedom. Oh, now how does that play out? How can I follow that lead? How can I follow that tune? How can I follow that resonance? That's what the Buddha did. The longing for freedom, the longing for ease, the longing for peace, the longing for harmony. How do you follow that? So then Viveka, and it will come through. This is why these three qualities, these three givens that we have, have to be held against each other and tuned till they start to bond. Disengagement has to be bonded to. Yeah, it's not, yeah, you step back, but you don't stay in some you have to also know that the place and the moment when you engage. Yeah. You step back, soft and wide, and then Oh that's the bit, there's the tune, there's the thing. Go into there. What's needed now? You know, that's the question that can would arise in intent with Viveka. Okay, I've sort of got a bit more space. Now what really is important? Okay, important thing could be just to rest in it and deepen it and use it to steady yourself more grounded. And as you know, as you meditators all know, as you as you come into that, sooner or later your business comes up. <laughs> What's your business today? Could be dealing with illness, could be dealing with frustration, could be dealing with grief, could be dealing with uncertainty. There's your business. Okay. Now, what's important now with that? Don't jump. Be present with that. Open to that. Bring skillful intentions into that. Bear with that. Give it time. This is a natural process. You can't switch on enlightenment. But you plug those fundamental properties into the earth of your own present being and you nourish it and that's how the thing grows it's naturally it's organic like that so let's pause I'll pause there on the on the
few moments, maybe two.